Welcome to a talk from St Saviour's Sunbury. We hope you enjoy it. We're starting a new mini-series today on uh, boldness in various contexts. And the passage chosen for uh, the first one today is in Acts. If you have a Bible, you might like to turn to it. I shall dot around in one or two uh, places just so that you get the picture of the of the story. You remember, first of all, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell on a whole crowd of people and they started speaking in other languages, Peter stood up and tried to explain to the crowd uh, what had just happened. And he pins the blame for recent events firmly on their shoulders, saying, This man, this Jesus, who God had sent, you crucified, but God raised him up. And he puts the guilt for Jesus' death firmly and squarely on the shoulders of the people listening. And several thousand of them were truly convinced and convicted and repented of having done that. And they said, Lord, to Peter, what shall we do? Uh, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And 3,000 people were saved. Then a few uh, days later, Peter and John were going up to the temple. It's in Acts 3. And they came across a man who had been born crippled. And every day, people carried him out into the temple court uh, to beg. So when Peter and John passed by, he he looked up rather hopefully and expectantly, as many a beggar on the streets today does. They don't actually say anything, but uh, the outstretched hand or the dirty old cup on the floor or whatever it is suggests, why don't you give me some money? And Peter... And uh, John looked at him and said, we haven't got any money, but we've got something much better that you can have. Silver and gold, I do not have. But what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Take him by the right hand. He helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles were strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging in the temple gate, called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to the men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or goodliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, though he decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that the murderer be released. 
You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in this name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. That's by way of prelude. And the story goes on because the Pharisees and people watched all this commotion and they hauled them in to give account of themselves before the Sanhedrin as to what had happened. So Peter gives the same sermon a third time and he hammers them over the head uh, for having crucified Jesus, which is fair enough because they had. Anyway, let's look at chapter 4. The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas and the high priest was there, so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. Why, by what power or in what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you, healed. He is the stone, that Jesus, he is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who'd been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle and we can't deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anybody in his name. Then they called them in again, commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They couldn't decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. It says later on that another couple of thousand people came to faith uh, as a result of that whole incident. Boldness. When Val asked me if I wanted a drink of water, I suggested that something stronger might be needed. 
Um, but of course, this is the whole point of the story. If you wind back a few weeks, those self-same people, what were they doing? They were running away. They were hiding. They were beaten. They were broken. Their Lord and Master had been taken away, about to be crucified. They all ran away, deserted him. Peter denied him three times in cowardice, fear of the punishment that might come to him if he was caught alongside Jesus. When they were cowering in the upper room for fear of the Jews catching them, well, the Pharisees catching them and punishing them, are these the same men? What happened? Well, a couple of things happened. The resurrection was a bit of a shock, <laughs> to put it mildly. The disciples weren't expecting it. And that filled them with hope. They still didn't know what was going on, really. Uh, but it was obviously a start. Resurrection, crumbs. <laughs> But then they were filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit gave them understanding of what had happened over the whole pattern of the last few years. They understood, they got it finally, as it were, what Jesus had been trying to teach them in vain, uh, mostly, um, through the three years of his ministry uh, because they couldn't grasp it. It's not surprising, nobody can grasp the future until you've got the benefit of hindsight to look back at it. You can't... <laughs> expect to get it right looking forwards really so I think we'd have all been in the same position of not understanding before the event but they were transformed sometimes we think about when we're witnessing to non-Christian people how can you prove the resurrection how can you prove these things did happen historically as facts some people try and say, well, Jesus only swooned and went unconscious and then revived in the cool of the, uh, of the tomb for those two or three days and then sort of refreshed himself, shook himself down and came out. It doesn't actually fit with the story um, that's told. We've been several times, I suspect you have, to Trafalgar Square when they've done reenactments of the Easter story where some actor... Um, is sort of pseudo-nailed to a cross for a while um, and then uh, gets shoved into a little box in the corner of Trafalgar Square and miraculously, a few minutes later, with a change of um, tunic, comes out resurrected. But most of us, although we're in awe of seeing such a story, don't have our lives transformed from fear to courage because we know it was only an act. What they saw was something that actually happened. And they, the whole story here is not just about the man being raised from being a cripple to being able to walk, but they were changed from being spiritual cripples and in fear to being fearless. Nothing but the reality of God in their lives would have done that. They didn't actually have any power of their own to heal. They didn't have any education of their own to preach. God did both things. 
He changed their hearts, he changed their minds, and he gave them the words to say. And God was pretty cross with the Jews, so he said it three times through Peter to the different audiences that they were indeed guilty of having crucified the sent Messiah. It's a little bit of a hard thing in your head to realize that it was God's will that Jesus should die because otherwise he wouldn't have saved us from our sins. But nonetheless, they were guilty of being the instruments of that death. And many of them repented and they themselves were changed. It wasn't just these two apostles that were given boldness. Almost all of them ended up being martyred because they boldly went. It's one of the most famous lit infinitives that's gone into our language, isn't it? To boldly go. Well, they boldly went. And if necessary, and it was necessary, they went following Christ right to death, whether it was another crucifixion or the sword or being thrown to the lions or whatever. They were transformed. And even that transformation itself is part of the evidence that we have of the reality of the resurrection. Any pseudo thing, any trickery, would not have had that same transforming effect on the people. It really did happen. The resurrection was real because it put the seal on his dying to save us from our sins. And I must re-emphasize those words. Salvation is found in no one else. Hear me in these multicultural days of all embracing all cultures. Welcome all cultures, but know this. Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. That is absolutely irrefutable. If Jesus is right, I'm afraid the others are wrong. It's not politically correct. I have no intention of being politically correct. I'm just reading the Bible. That is what it unequivocally says. And that's why we witness. Boldness comes in all kinds of forms and shapes and sizes. Not looking at most of the leaders of our countries around the world, where there's a great lack of leadership all around the world. We're fearful at the hands that we're in, apparently, for lack of leadership. I sometimes wonder whether I had to take a, a child autistic child to the cinema the other day and he wanted to go and see one of these Marvel films and I just wonder whether the popularity of these films is that we've got no real life heroes so they like films where there are heroes that are strong enough to beat the baddies uh, by whatever means you know whether it's Marvel man or Superman or whatever whatever they don't find that leadership in the politicians. They don't find it in teachers. They don't find it in parents, sadly, sometimes. But they're looking for leadership. We always feel pleased in a film where the goodies win <laughs> and the baddies get their comeuppance. But it doesn't actually always happen in real life. 
But in God's kingdom, it does happen. God is the victor over evil. Evil has its day and causes havoc and mayhem, suffering and all kinds of pain. But ultimately, the victory has already been won on the cross. The victory is secure. Whatever we're going through, we've got lots of friends, you have as well, having terrible time with illnesses of different kinds and sufferings. There will be a resurrection to the kingdom of heaven for those who are trusting Christ. Boldness isn't something you're born with. If you look at some of the Old Testament stories, if you know the story already of Moses, you will know he wriggled and wriggled and tiggled and tried to get out of the job God was trying to give him to do. He said, Lord, send somebody else. He didn't want to do it. He didn't have boldness at all. He killed somebody um, and was on the run. He'd been on the run for 40 years and the thought of going back and confronting Pharaoh uh, didn't appeal to him one little bit. He didn't want to do it. He wasn't bold. God was quite cross with him at the end. And he said, well, right, we'll take Aaron with you and he can do the talking. And as he obeyed, I guess little by little, he got used to the fact that when he stuck something on the Red Sea, the, wa the waters parted. He got used to the idea that God was actually with him and using him. And then that was the boldness because God was with him. He couldn't actually do miracles. No, none of us can. Nobody can. But when you're cotton on that God's with you, that's a whole different ballgame. And he grew in boldness every time he went to Pharaoh saying, unless you let the people go, something worse, something worse, something worse uh, will happen. He, he must in, in himself have grown in stature with uh, each miracle coming to pass. And Moses grew to be a strong person. Jeremiah. Not many people know much about the story of Jeremiah because it doesn't make for comfortable reading. People call somebody a Jeremiah because you're always a prophet of doom. Um, that's the problem with being a prophet because if doom is coming, it's a bit like the weather forecast. You can't just say it's going to be sunny tomorrow. You might be having to say, well, actually, there's a hurricane going to hit you tomorrow. Um, a prophet is somebody who tells it as it's about to happen, as best as they know. Jeremiah, unfortunately, had more of the hurricane than the, than the heat wave to tell Israel but he said I'm only a child I can't speak God said do it anyway I'll be with you I'll be with you makes all the difference you don't have to think of the words God will do that you just be there open your mouth and the right words my words will come out that is boldness it's it's being a, an open channel for God to work really Jesus said to the disciples that they were going to go to be called up before rulers and magistrates and stuff like that. And he said, don't think what you're going to say beforehand, fretting about it overnight. Just testify. I'll give you the words to say. The Holy Spirit's job is to bring to mind relevant scriptures, relevant things to say, wisdom that's beyond one's own capabilities. 
And the whole point of this story really is that the men themselves didn't have any strength. The strength comes from God. I came across a little verse in uh, 2 Corinthians uh, the other day. Uh, well, yesterday, actually. Um, <laughs> um, where Paul describes how people thought of him. And if I can see, I might not even be able to find it now. Um, anyway, basically, they, they, they were critical of him being, you know, yes, here he is. Some say his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person he's unimpressive and his speaking amounts to nothing. That's the description of Paul. Now, we always sort of put Paul up on a pedestal, but actually the people didn't think much of him. Probably as a physical specimen, it wasn't much. You know, I don't know that Jesus was necessarily as handsome as people reverently try and paint him. The, the Isaiah suggestion was, again, that he was nothing much to look at. You know, you don't have to be a Charlton Heston or something to, to be a Moses. What you need is God speaking through you. That makes all the difference. And the smaller you are, the easier it is for them to see God. Not you. We don't want actors with persuasive words. Hitler was very good as a speaker. What came out of the mouth wasn't good, but as a speaker, he could raise a crowd. You can find people, you know, Boris Johnson, you can find Nigel Farage. Lots of people are good speakers, but that's not what we want, really. We want to hear God. And the less you see the person, the more you can see God. He's the one who's got the power. And he can change lives. He changed the disciples from being cowardly to being bold. They were unlearned. They could hardly read or write, most of them. But it didn't stop them being used by God. And that's the message for us, of course. If God can do that through these guys, what might happen if we were bold to our families? It's pretty tough, really, because they see us on a bad day as well as a good day. But nonetheless, if we don't tell them, who will? Who will tell them? We do have to be bold. The consequences are in God's hands. But probably they're not anything like as bad as you fear. You'll probably find that people respect you for standing up for what you believe in and saying it. Why should we apologize for something that's life-changing and so important? You don't have to apologize at all. Be bold. And God will be with you. And that is a marvelous encouragement for all of us, I think. Let's stop at that point. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that your Holy Spirit has been given to each and every one of us who've put our faith and trust in you. Help us, Lord, just to believe it and not to be fearful that we'll be stranded high and dry on our own. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me Go into all the world and preach the gospel 
and make disciples of every nation and I am with you always to the end of the age. Lord, thank you that you are here today and tomorrow and in the difficult places and when we have to meet people who are sick and dying that you'll give us the right words to say. When we meet people who are grieving, we meet people who are depressed and suffering and in all kinds of difficulties that you'll give us the wisdom and the words to say. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit because you are a God of love, that you'll give us words of love, words of truth, words of grace, words of healing and forgiveness and your care and concern. Lord, we just pray you'll give us those words every time we open our mouths to seek to speak to those who are struggling, those who are lost, those who are suffering. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about St. Saviour's, please visit www.stsaviourssummary.org.uk